actually were derived from the images of the Virgin Mary. Around the third or fourth century, the earliest Christian. This is William Henry. I am your brain, the body of light in the art and science of living ascension. It's about talking about Guan Yin, the goddess of, well, mercy, mercy, healing. You're saying compassion. It's hightailed it out of Jerusalem and hit the Silk Road and went to Tibet and went to China in these areas, bringing Christianity with them. And along with them, they brought their artwork. So here we see the Virgin Mary obviously holding the baby Jesus in his I've hand, in her hand. He's got in his hand a blue orb, a maybe baby. a blue apple that symbolizes the power of resurrection, which is what ultimately he, he came to earth to, to teach us. And much like the Virgin Mary, and this is the key, the Chinese Kuan Yin is said to have lived a human life of extreme self-sacrifice and holiness before she herself ascended into heaven and became the celestial goddess of mercy and compassion. Okay, I know about this <clears throat> because in Taiwan she's also venerated as a incarnation, female incarnation of the Buddha. And she, yes, she was a real person. It's based on a uh, a woman who lived in Fujian province about a thousand years ago or so. Well, uh, when when um, mass numbers of Taiwan, well, now Taiwanese, came immigrated from Fujian province in China, south um, east China. Um, <clears throat> they. Uh, had a hard time making it over the Taiwan Strait, what's now the Taiwan Strait, because the water was so, the ocean was so um, treacherous. So a lot of people lost their lives in the water. And she is worshipped, well, maybe I'm confusing this with Matsu, but they're, they're kind of, um, you know, like this, there's uh, female goddesses. Well, to me at least, they're they're kind of a little bit inter interchangeable. Anyway, so in her lifetime, she was a she was a real person. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of confusing it with Matsu, who is who's an island goddess and a goddess of uh, mercy and. Um, when she's she's a more like a mother mother figure and uh, in her lifetime she saved her father and her brother because she saw them drowning at sea in her mind and she was able to lift them out of the she was able to save them and uh, it was a miracle so that's why Taiwanese immigrating to Taiwan now the island of Taiwan then in Formosa um, that's what the Portuguese called it, it means love beautiful <clears throat> Formosa Ila Formosa beautiful islands it's beautiful it's fun to it's a beautiful name Ila Formosa but anyway so she saved she saved her, her father and her brother by lifting them out of the water in her mind's eye. 
And so that's why Taiwanese started venerating her uh, as uh, and, and fishermen to this day. There are um, Matsu temples. Nobody ever talks about Matsu, but it's very important. Matsu in uh, Maju it means maternal ancestor. <clears throat> So at one point, Kuan Yin, like the Virgin Mary, had a human incarnation and went along her path of ascension, her hero's journey, and ultimately ascended to the pure land of Buddhism, where she presently is said to dwell. Just as Mary is the first Christian to ascend and ascended to the Christian heaven, a place called Sion. So that is a very important Zion. aspect of this. And I, I love the divine Zion. feminine images that are reflective of the, the ascension process. Always like to, uh, to uh, present that. And as we look in the detail here, we see this wonderful image of Kuan Yin wearing this transparent linen robe. And as we come in on this robe here, we see that it's actually covered with orbs of light that symbolize stars. Don't you just want to reach in there and put that robe on yourself, right? <laughs> and feel what it must be like to wear it, be wearing a robe of stars or a robe of light. And that is, of course, the key image in many of the Ascension traditions, which is why Mary wears a robe of, of stars as well, because it indicates that she is in her star body, her light body, her resurrection body, her glory body. She's in her ascended frequency. In the 17th century, we find this image of Kuan Yin. She's sitting on a throne uh, with two acolytes on either side. She's sitting on a dragon, just like the Virgin Mary is always shown standing on a dragon, symbolizing the earthly forces of negativity, but also her ability to raise Kundalini as well. Huh. And again, this image of Kuan Yin is entirely derived from Christian images of Mary sitting on the throne which a little tip here, we won't elaborate on it, but we do know that the throne that Mary sits on is called the throne of Solomon, the throne of wisdom. Solomon. The Essenes called it the King Merkaba. Solomon. So when you're looking at images the, with an awakened or enlightened eye of Mary. Which the uh, Rastafarians also uh, talk about. King Solomon, King David, Queen of Sheba, and uh, Haile Selassie was a descent, their direct descendants and therefore a uh, return of the black messiah don't tell the fbi though they were hunting them hunting down black messiah like figures the leaders in the black community till recently so that's what what you know uh, we need to uh we need to um put a stop to that shit. it's probably still going on because nobody stopped it that's why we need leaders like myself to um, make sure our government stops doing stuff like persecuting black people, black leadership. Sitting on the throne, you know that this isn't an ordinary throne like the Queen of England would sit on. In fact, the, the Queen of England's throne is actually modeled after the throne of Solomon, which is actually, for the insiders, we know that's actually the Merkaba throne, the celestial chariot. That's what the word Merkaba means, a celestial throne chariot. Wow. So this isn't an ordinary throne that she's sitting on. She's actually exempt being an exemplar of the Essene mystery school tradition, which was all entirely devoted to attaining the light body and ascending on the Merkaba throne. 
In this image here, it's derived from the book of Revelation, where John the Revelator, also an Essene initiate, described the holy of holies of the celestial city, the New Jerusalem, the Sy or Sion, which was the target of the Essene ascension mysteries. They were trying to transform their earthly flesh into celestial flesh so that they could dwell in this celestial city, which they said was inhabited. So on the left-hand side, we see Mary on the Merkaba throne, we see John the Divine holding a grail cup, and on the right we see John the Revelator, who is obviously in a state of ecstasy or in a trance. He's got an open book, the book of Revelation, and he's gone over the rainbow bridge of consciousness and he's peering into this higher dimensional realm. He's having a vision of, or a visionary experience of Sion or Mount the Zion. New Jerusalem, and it's entirely otherworldly. It's peopled by extraordinary beings and, uh, and, and also ascended humans. So he crosses over the rainbow, sort of like Dorothy, and he describes that there was a throne of God, the Merkaba. The Merkaba. When the Essenes are ascending to the throne of God, they're ascending to the Merkaba, which... Merkaba is also that this um, shape in... South American um, imagery, ancient imagery, the Merkaba, and <clears throat> it's apparently um, li like an energy source. It's it depicts an a type of energy, and it looks a bit like a Rubik's cube, but it's supposed to. Um, you know, it's it's. I think it's tied to a source of energy that we don't, we've forgotten about. This in this higher dimensional realm, he describes servants stood in a place of perpetual heavenly light. Extraordinary description because in the Dead Sea Scrolls, the, the Essenes were saying part of their mission was to bathe Earth in perpetual heavenly light, hmm. not to necessarily go somewhere, but to transform Earth into a planet of righteousness, a higher frequency planet that was bathed in perpetual heavenly light. Yeah, and just let that roll through your imagination, what it would feel like if our planet were suddenly bathed in perpetual yeah. heavenly light. It'd be a completely different world that we... We should uh, substitute the five minutes of... <laughs> you know, the Pledge of Allegiance. We should change that into uh, meditation and visualization of the earth in heaven, bathed in heavenly, heavenly living in. And so, light. as John goes over the rainbow, he sees Christ enthroned on the Merkaba, on the celestial throne chariot, with various beings, saintly beings, guitar players. I'm sure it's Jimmy Page, it's Jimi Hendrix, it's got to be, right, Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> All with their guitars in their hand, they're rocking out because they're at the throne of Christ. They've completed their earthly ascension cycle, they're over the rainbow, and they uh, are now in the celestial scion. And so John, in this image, very much like you and I, are actually present in that throne. We're looking at this image of Christ, we're tapping into it, but Christ is also looking back at us. And I know that sounds a little bit nuts, but we're going to explain how and why that is possible. 
as the book of Hebrews says, in the, in the book of Hebrews is an Essene ascension manual. It is uh, It was meant to be rehearsed over and over again. The, the Essenes, like later the Cathars, would use these texts as guided visualizations so that they could concretize the, the ascension journey in their minds so that they knew exactly what was going to happen in their afterlife journey. They had modeled it. They had wired their brain for it. They had connected their soul to it. So it was kind of like me leaving this room, walking out of the hotel, catching the shuttle, going over to LAX and flying home, right? That is essentially, they would rehearse the heavenly journey over and over and over again until they absolutely embodied it. And they knew that once they completed their ascension, that they would go to this place that was populated by, as Hebrews says, innumerable company of angels and just humans made perfect. Just humans made perfect. Well, who are these people? And, and how did they become perfect? What does this mean? Well, when you look up the meaning of the word just, it means upright, righteous, and balanced. It, just in this case doesn't mean upright they're only humans made perfect. They're just, they're righteous, they're holy people. They're humans, which means they're a member of the species Homo sapien. And here's a punchline for you. They're not animal, divine, or machine which we won't get into the AI aspect of this, but can a transhuman ascend? According to this, no, you cannot. They're made, meaning they're shaped or formed, and they're perfect, meaning they're complete, they're fully developed, they're whole, they're holy, they're 360, and they're effectively what I would term I am plus. They are more than human. They are just humans made perfect. And in the Essene tradition, this is our goal, is to become more whole, more holy, more complete, and indeed perfect. And I use the term 360 because that comes from a text that the Essenes actually read. It's called the Epic of Gilgamesh. It's the wow. world's second oldest story. And, it, and essentially, it's an ascension story where an Iraqi king named Gilgamesh is on his ascension path, and he gets a lucky break when the goddess Inanna comes to him and tells him, brother, you're, you're two-thirds divine and one-third human. And if you try to go through the gate of the gods, which is his attempt in the Epic of Gilgamesh, as two-thirds human and one-third divine, it's going to be like walking into a blender. You're going to get your feathers ruffled. <laughs> so what you want to do before you go through that gate is to clean up your act, to go from two-thirds divine and one-third human to 360. Now, if divinity is symbolized by a circle, and a circle is 360 degrees, if we're two-thirds human and one-third divine, that means we're, we start out at about 240 out of 360. And our quest then is to move the needle to become 360. And the way we do that is by changing what we're doing, right? This was the message to, to Gilgamesh, that if he keeps doing the same things that he's doing, he's not going to be able to get through the gate. So all of us are charged in our own personal experience to figure out how can we go from 240, 280, 290, 320 to 360. And part of what we have to do is to begin to connect with a vision of what our life will be like when we are at 360. And for many of us, it's going to be individually specific, but there are also keys that we get from ancient art and traditions that tells us what a fully functioning human being actually can do. 
And one of the things a fully functioning human being can do is adopt a consciousness similar to that of Christ and to have superhuman powers, ascension powers. What we're looking at here is a correspondence between the Buddhist tradition and the Christian tradition. This is a Dalai Lama looking up, visualizing his connection with Kuan Yin. So he's sitting in a state of visualization or meditation, deep gamma perhaps, looking up at this orb of rainbow-colored light, just exactly like John the, John the Revelator is crossing over the rainbow bridge of consciousness and having a vision of Christ in the very same rainbow. It's the exact same scene. And what this illustrates for us is one form of practice for awakening to one's true nature in Buddhism that's highly respected by Buddhists is connecting with the qualities of an enlightened being, one who is already awake and then modeling what they are doing as an example and an inspiration. So this is what this Dalai Lama is doing. He is actually visualizing Kuan Yin in her ascended rainbow light body, and he's contemplating, meditating, and reflecting on what is it that Kuan Yin has in her ascended state that I don't have. Wow. She's a 360 being. She is oh I am plus. He um, just occurred to me that uh, Tibet, that's where Kuan Yin comes from. The Dalai Lama, he's talking about the Dalai Lama visualizes Kuan Yin. That means Guan Yin comes from fucking Tibetan Buddhism. That's amazing. Huh. It's a female. That's why the West doesn't know about Guan Yin. Nobody knows who, who Guan, what Guan Yin is. Guan Yin's a goddess. <clears throat> goddess of healing, goddess of mercy, compassion. Feminine. The female in, in, uh, not impersonation. Not incarceration female incarnation of the Buddha isn't he's trying to get on this path and one key here is that whenever the Dalai Lamas were taught how to attain this elevated state of being this rainbow light body they were never taught with texts there are no books you can read about how to attain your rainbow light body the Dalai Lamas instead would be taken out behind the Potala Palace when they were in Tibet into a circular room that is 360 degrees covered with images. And they were taught the rainbow light body through images. This is because the higher dimensional rainbow light body beings could manifest through those images and connect with the consciousness of the Dalai Lamas and perhaps give them downloads or transmit frequencies to them. So this is why the, uh, my emphasis on, is on the art of living ascension, because it is the art, the image that shows us the way, as the Gnostic Gospels say, and there's a science, a sacred science behind all of this that we're trying to recover and share in the modern world. In his book, The Teaching on Chenrizik Sadhana, Kalu Rinpoche said, one does not think of the deity's body, in this case Kuan Yin, as solid or material made of flesh and blood like one's ordinary body, or made of metal or stone like an idol. One thinks of it as appearance that is inseparable from emptiness like a rainbow or like a reflection in a mirror.
And that is one of the key concepts here is that we're instructed to look at Kuan Yin as if we are looking in a mirror. And then we are to mirror what we are seeing, feeling, or uh, otherwise experiencing. The image that's visualized in this meditation practice, and this is a meditation practice that we're, we're, I'm offering here. This is a, another tool in your kit, no matter what else you're doing, yoga, meditation, fasting, any other tool that you're using to, to cleanse, purify, raise your frequency. This is another tool for your kit. And the, so the image that's visualized in the meditation practice is not a real person who happens to be perfect in every imaginable way. It's an image. It's an image in an imaginary form with certain wonderful qualities. She radiates rainbow color light. And if she were to manifest in this room right now and it was dark, she would be glowing. She would be luminous. She'd be radiant, be a, literally a being of light. So what I'm encouraging you to do here, and maybe you'll take out your cell phone, take a quick photo, is that this is one way that you can connect with this vibration of Kuan Yin is through the image. The average person, several years ago, uh, they said the average person looks at their cell phone 200 times a day. 200 times a day. It's probably a lot more now. And so just imagine if half of that time you're looking at your starting screen on your phone or your computer and you're connecting with Kuan Yin, just taking that moment to reflect on that. I mean, I had a medical doctor that's known me for a long time. She says, boy, you, you've really changed in the past 10 years since I've known you. And you, you've grown a lot lighter. And how, how are you doing that? I said, well, I don't know. I've just spent hours every day staring at my computer screen working on presentations. And I'm always connecting with these beings. Perhaps that's what I'm saying to you is, is working for me. I hope so, because I will continue to do it, right? So what I'm wanting to suggest here is that we can connect with these higher dimensional beings through the image. And this isn't me speaking. What we're going to see is that this story is told repeatedly throughout time for at least four or five thousand years. They've been talking that this is how we connect with the divine beings. Art is the primary and most direct conduit that we can have with these celestial beings. So I've been very fortunate as I've been going around uh, giving these presentations, developing a reputation for the art of ascension type guy. Um, I have developed wonderful contacts at Sotheby's and Christie's and some of the major auction houses, Bonham's in London. And these are places where art flows through that will blow your mind, that you will never see. Because some of it has come from private collections, even in some monasteries, and it goes into private collections of wealthy collectors. And we will have no idea what's actually out there. I, I can give you a taste of it. Some of these images that I'm sharing with you today came from Sotheby's, and especially this one here where we see this bodhisattva in his rainbow light body, his twirling rainbow light body, uh, gone into this, the pure land, connecting with wow. other bodhisattvas. Beautiful. And we see this guy with this red sash on him. He nice. <laughs> kind of looks like Kung Fu. He's in... Wow. Yeah, he's in a he's in a he's in a kung fu position. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <clears throat> Let me take a picture of that. In case you want to draw. I love the way they make clouds in Asian arts. And the style is in the, in the yeah that's that's gorgeous that's beautiful depiction 
Yeah, and to visualize this all day. See, some one of the it Tibetan mystic flyers. Uh, the Tibetans have this whole tradition that all of us have the ability to fly. If we just would take the time to activate that ability, it's a natural human ability to be able to fly. And that's what that red sash indicates. Just as it's a natural human ability to be able to dissolve our flesh and blood body into our celestial body, our rainbow light body. It's just like a caterpillar morphs into a butterfly. Our DNA is hardwired for this experience. But it's our culture that tells us, like the two caterpillars I saw once in a cartoon looking up at a butterfly saying, you'll never get me up in one of those things. Because that's what our culture says. Who, who do you think you are, perfect? What do you think you are, perfect? Nobody's perfect. That's the constant refrain of our culture. And we've completely misaligned the understanding of the word perfect to begin with. It means whole, holy, complete, and compassionate. It doesn't mean perfect like we all understand it to mean. So everybody can become more whole, more holy, more complete, more compassionate, and therefore more perfect than they presently are. And perfect light beings, and this is what the Essenes called the ascended beings, perfect light humans. The immovable race of perfect light humans was the distinction they had for this extraterrestrial race. And so here we see another example here of a, a bodhisattva, possibly even Kuan Yin, in the rainbow light body with this swirling energy uh, radiating from her body. And one thing that happened in my path that I, I love to share, and I'm glad to have an opportunity to do so today, is back in 2003, uh, it was one of my first visits to Egypt. I'm on a cruise ship in, in Luxor, and I've just had this mind-blowing experience in Egypt already. The cruise director calls me on the phone and says, we're ready for the uh, the belly dancer now. You Why don't you come down? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so tired. I want to go see a belly dancer tonight. The, the, the cruise guy called me three times. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'll come watch the belly dancer. And so I go into the lounge, and here it's not a belly dancer. It's a whirling dervish dancer. And he's performing an 800-year-old mystic Islamic dance where he takes his skirt, he's spinning in, in place, going into a deep state of meditation. And he's spinning, and all of a sudden, I like, hear this crashing sound on the floor, and it's my jaw. Because I'm thinking, that, that's, that's Elijah in the whirlwind. That's all of these biblical stories of Ezekiel going up into the heavens in a spinning wheel of some kind. And he's turning his body into this Merkaba. This is what he's demonstrating here. It's very clear. And then it gets even more incredible when he takes out his second skirt and starts spinning it in a counterclockwise fashion. And I realize that's the shape of a wormhole. He has just turned his body into a wormhole, which is absolutely <laughs> mind-blowing. And then afterward, what happens is, is that his assistant comes out, provides him with this linen shroud. He, he takes his second skirt, wraps it into a bundle, and then they wrap the linen shroud around the bundle, and they feed it milk. And it's like, what's the message for us? Well, part of the message is, where did you come from before you got here? Right, And when you decide you're going to leave here, where are you going? And how are you going to get there? Right, And the answer is, we come through wormholes. And so in the Sufi tradition, which is the mystic Islamic tradition going back 800 years, they have this incredible tradition started by the poet Rumi. 
who is a, a Islamic mystic, of these whirling dervishes who go into these trances and spin these uh, just scarves and, and wrappings around them. And it's very clear that what we're looking at is an Islamic version of what? Activating the Merkaba, the rainbow light body. Exactly. So we've just crossed over from the Christian tradition through the Tibetan tradition into mystic Islam. They're all telling the same thing. Our body is capable of being transformed into a higher or ascended form. And we need to learn how to do that. And they've been encoding it in their sacred art and and in the Islamic tradition within a sacred dance. This rainbow light body is what we... Okay, um, this is something that Michael Tsarian taught me, okay, about what happens. John D., who was the astrologer, quartz astrologer and uh, alchemist and uh, of the court of Queen Elizabeth, <clears throat> and he, he also uh, signed his name 007 and thereby started the British MI5. But anyway, uh, okay, um, so at that time, uh, Queen Elizabeth and her courts, very um, learned bunch of people. I mean, she was, she was freaking brilliant herself. She's uh, multilingual. Etc. and a, a gifted, uh, gifted play. Um, what do you got? Statesman. She was a gifted statesman. I would, I would model my reign on that of Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> and uh, anyway, yeah, everybody go out and sign my um, petition to run for governor of Arizona. If you're an Arizona voter and if you're a Democrat or independent you can nominate me everybody who nominates me gets tickets to my inauguration and it's at http colon slash slash go dot dot gov slash sf 6j and by the way go fuck yourself kevin at dhs if you're suppressing my podcast as usual cease and desist Anyway, let's get back to the show. To get more in touch with on our ascension path. It is our true nature, according to the Buddhists. It's who we truly are. Deep inside you is this being of light. The rainbow light body isn't something you go get. It's something that you already are that is covered over by misperceptions, by negative thought forms, by culture that says you are actually just this. Okay, and the fact of the matter is, is that all of these sacred traditions tell us that this is who we truly are, this rainbow light body being within us. This is Padmasambhava. He's a Tibetan guru, came from India to Tibet in the 8th century. He actually came from some celestial realm. What happened in, in my journey is that I was at a UFO conference not long after I took those photos I just showed you of the whirling dervish dancer. And a couple came up to me and said they both had uh, PhDs from the Harvard Divinity School. They, their specialty is the rainbow light body. They translate Tibetan texts for the Dalai Lama. They've been doing this for a very long time. And that my work in Egypt answered for them a question that the Tibetans 
couldn't answer because they didn't know the answer or wouldn't answer because it's secret. And that was this. And they asked me then if I knew anything about the rainbow light body, and I didn't. I, this is my first introduction to it. And they explained to me that Padmasambhava came from uh, the stars, came to Tibet, and taught this principle that the human body is designed to have its frequency accelerated until it dissolves into five-colored rainbow light, leaving behind only hair, toe, and fingernails, which have no nerves to be transmuted. And I'm blown away. It's like, wow, that's incredible. And what does that have to do with my work, right? And they said, well, here's the thing. What the Tibetans teach is that once we attain, oops, excuse me, let me go back, the rainbow light body, then we have the ability to travel to one of other 12 other star systems where this teaching is taught. And what this couple wanted to know, which was unknown or secret, was how do they get there? Once they obtain the rainbow light body and can travel to and from these other star systems, how do they get there? And then they said they're watching my presentation on ancient Egyptian star walkers, where I was talking about the ancient Egyptian star walking and stargate imagery. They said that was the answer, that they have actually are turning their body into a wormhole. They open the wormhole through their body, beam themselves to another star system, and then they can take on a flesh and blood body. Once again, they can phase back into a flesh and blood body if they choose to. And the main justification for choosing to do this was that then they could be like the, the, the greatest antenna or beamer of compassion possible. And that is the reason for incarnating in a flesh and blood body. So I'm blown away, and this sends me off on a whole new path to, to match up the Tibetan rainbow light body teachings with what I'm discovering and researching in Egypt and elsewhere. So I'm going to share some of that with you as we continue. But again, here's Padmasambhava in his rainbow light body. Once again, make... This is why, um, you know, uh, our Judeo-Christian kind of spiritual hegemony here in America makes it so that the, the fundies, so call them the fundamentalist Christians and the, the, the judgmentalist Christians, they, um, they don't want you to think for yourself. They don't want you to uh, have the strength um, to become a gods basically and that's what that's what I'm learning from all this that's that's the thing about Buddhism and that's what makes boy makes it the best the best religion Buddha and well, it's not a religion it's a philosophy it's not even a fucking religion because it's introspection you look inside selfie uh, sometimes it's called shadow work in modern times, you do shadow work, uh, whereas this, this society is insane. This society is insane. It's not you, it's society that's insane. It drives you insane. If you partake in society, in, in Amer especially American society, these days, fascist days, full-fledged, full-on military, militaristic, militaristic, um, hyper-capitalistic, 
entire strategy of the Republican Party and uh, I think it was was it Nixon who was talking about how uh, or was it LB, LBJ one of those two <clears throat> and LBJ should be called out as a as the uh, traitor he was he was involved in the conspiracy surrounding the JFK assassination. You know, prove me wrong. <laughs> he was involved. He was there. You can even see in his face he's smiling as he's as he's signing himself. It's being signed in as president and LBJ has, has got this smirk, this evil smirk. The cat who swallowed the canary. called Duper's Delight. It's called Duper's Delight in pop psychology, popular psychology terms. <coughs> I studied a women's psychology. I was a women's psychology tutor. I was a tutor at Oxford. I'm a real, I'm a, I'm a literally a, an Oxford tutor. I'm going to start saying that in my um, little post to toot my own horn in ways that intrigues and incites, not insights, but excites people. Insights. Inciting. Interesting to, to take those words into insights, as in to incite violence and excites. As in to stimulate, kind of in a positive way, isn't it? So the opposite of excite is to what? Insight. Wow, man, I can see, I can see a, a really cool kind of image of a bird. Very cool. Um. <clears throat> Anyway, what, what we're uh, what we're saying. Let's get back to the show. Just uh, all right, all right then. Let's get back to the show. In eye to eye contact with us, present in the room with us, just as we are present before him at this very moment. We are seeing him. He is seeing us. And this is why it's so important that. I love it every time I'm anywhere and I see, especially a, a, a woman or a, a young female in her yoga outfit, because it tells me, hey, there's real hope here because suddenly we've got millions of people, tens of millions of people around the world practicing yoga and meditation. Whether they are aware of it or not, what they're actually doing is morphing into their rainbow-like body. 
Every time they're doing yoga, every time they're meditating, every time they're setting that intention, they're actually calling in their higher self, be it white Tara, as we see here, or experimental notes. Here's a little film, film, experimental film of uh, um, meditating, of myself meditating, and see if uh, if I can turn my if I can turn into a rainbow being. In or <laughs> any other divine figure, even Mary. That is the ultimate goal of that practice. So it gives me great hope that during this time, we are going to see some incredible manifestations of the rainbow light body because we're building this incredible bubble of frequency around our planet where people can tap into it. And we are perhaps not just the forerunners or way showers, we could be the actual exemplars for all of future humanity of what is possible for us once we set ourselves on becoming more whole, holy, complete, compassionate, perfect, and, and I am plus. What you notice in this image of White Tara, which is right over here at uh, LACMA, by the way, uh, the L.A. County Museum of Art, she's got her rainbow britches on. So she's obviously in her rainbow light body, and she's wearing her red sash that indicates that she can she can fly, and she is an exemplar of a whole, holy, complete, or perfected being. But according to Buddhism, was, you know, each of us holds within us an exhaustless. That's why Chinese people look different than us, because they're, the god that started out their their race was uh, looks like that. And um, our, so I think ours is from the Pleiades, well, Northern, North American. I mean, no, sorry. Shut up, Chiste, you're totally wrong. Excuse me, it was just a, you know, slip of the tongue. I meant, I meant Northern Europe, okay? Northern Europe, Scandinavia, the Vikings. And uh, the, um, they, you know, they have their own mythology. So, you know, these are the pieces of the puzzle that I'm putting together and by the way I've got I got the highest recommendation from Doug Daylards the art history honors art history teacher um, at Pima uh, uh, not Pima just take a breath just uh, take your time that's um, not when I was student body president at Pima Community College, but when, uh, yeah, to, er, 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 to you too. I'm not Oxford University where I have a master's of studies in women's studies. Totally useless. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I got an Oxford degree. Diploma. This is my diploma. I should do, I'm going to do a TikTok video about that. Got to check. Got to check my checks. Listen to the sounds of the barnyards. The beautiful barn, the comfort ASMR barnyard.
of compassion and wisdom every one of us and the question is how do we tap into that all we need to do is to connect with our most essential nature they tell us and that is our rainbow light body that is our true self but it's been covered over as I said by negative emotions false perceptions and especially culture here's a key according to Hindu Buddhist thought Everything that we see around us is Maya or illusion. It's Maya or illusion. How do we overcome Maya or illusion? The way I offer as an explanation or a positive name, pathway way, is through this. Twelve lines projected on a screen and the Mayans, that's brought to... That's my... That's uh, how Maya. Maya. Anyway, um, back to the show. Life in your imagination as a three-dimensional cube, right? That's what it really is, taking a step back. So if this three-dimensional cube is 12 lines projected on a screen brought to life in your imagination, then what is the chair you're sitting on? The same thing. What is the apple you just took a bit bite out of, right? It's a collection of atoms, molecules, energy in motion, all brought to life in our imagination. So if everything is brought to life in our imagination, then this cube also gives us another valuable insight. Because as you can see, if you look at it from one perspective, it looks like you're looking into the cube, right? And if you shift your perspective, now it looks like you're looking down into the cube and a completely different box appears. Can you all see it shift or jump? But to me, this cube demonstrates or shows us the two ways, the only two ways that we perceive everything out here. Every single moment of our lives, we're bringing things, what's out here to life in our imagination, and we're making a choice. Are we going to put fear into what we're experiencing, or are we going to put love into what we are experiencing?
right? Those are the only two choices we have every single moment of our lives. And so if love, peace, joy, happiness, wholeness, holiness, perfection, 360, I am plus is our goal, and we're down here going, well, I'm not sure if I can do that, and I've got an appointment in five minutes or, or whatever, we're not going to get there, right? If Because the golden rule says what we put out is what we get back. So our goal, and this is, I think, one of the most important reasons why we incarnate on Earth is it's a sort of a cosmic kindergarten for us to manifest or understand this principle and how powerful our thoughts and emotions are. Because as we've noticed, our world is accelerating, right? And if you can't handle your emotions now, what do you think is going to happen in a few years when we're, we're screaming down the highway, right? This is why this is so important for us to get a handle on. Because the idea is that as we expand in our awareness and consciousness, our three-dimensional cube, which represents our world, becomes the core of a fourth-dimensional hypercube with all kinds of parallel worlds suddenly impinging on our consciousness and all kinds of opportunities for expanding our consciousness being presented to ourselves. Does that make sense? So this is where many of us are already at right now. We've transcended the 3D world, and now we're going into the 4D and 5D world. And so those are the pioneers. This uh, reminds me of my own experience, of course, that, you know, and the reason why I'm running for governor is that okay, um, you know, my auntie always told me, she said, well, she didn't say it with British accents, but she said, you know, aim high. She was the one who told me um, I should have applied to Harvard and, uh, you know, not just, you know, it was Berkeley and UCLA. And I got into UCLA for political science as an undergraduate, but I turned them down. Ta ha ha. I later applied to their UCLA film school. I got turned down by them. Ha ha. Just, uh, ha ha, just, uh, anyway. Burn, burn right now. But, but I, I tried. I, d I didn't want to go to LA. LA is a fucking concrete jungle. But, um, and, uh, you know, hell. It's like hell on earth. Maybe for me, there's no, like, uh, you have to take a bus everywhere unless you have a car. Long distant distances. Super expensive. Just overcrowded. I hate overcrowd. You know, I'm not in my twenties anymore. I'm in fifties. Over fifty. Hashtag of fifties. Even though I look hashtag over thirties. Anyway. Yeah. So um, I need to run for governor because it's, it's kind of like my evolution. And I have to strive for it. And I, I, I really want it badly. And I was thinking about how I should use this, can use this uh, to uh, promotional quote but uh, you know ninety thousand uh, dollars oh it's a lot of the governorship okay 
the governorship is a lot of work for $90,000. Huh. But I'm not doing it for the money or the power, actually. Well, in power in a good sense. Like, I want the power to be able to uh, set the policy agenda. I've, I'm better qualified than all of these tools. These corrupt AF tools. And so that's why you need to immediately go and, and share this. Everybody always says, Trista, why aren't you famous yet? Because you don't share my shit. Share it. Please wear a mask to protect yourself, your family, and your community. Anyway, uh, yeah, go to https colon slash slash go dot A-Z-S-O-S slash SF6J But I could do that in 15 seconds. Okay. HTTPS colon slash slash A-Z-S-O-S dot gov slash SF6J. Yeah, that was pretty good. I can do that. In <laughs> I can do that in 15. That's a good idea, Trista. So I'm going to do that TikTok maybe today. And um, see you uh, see you in the White House and see you in the gubernatorial mansion, the governor's mansion, governor's villa. I gotta do a Google. I'm gonna Google that now. While picture of the Arizona governor's mansion. It's gonna. I'm like getting excited to think about it. Google images of the Arizona governor's mansion. Showing pictures that match. Ooh, nice. Oh, photos of what the governor's mansion looks like in every state. Wow. Okay. Arizona's governor's mansion. Did you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. Isn't there a governor's mansion everywhere? Ooh, that's nice. Where is that? Does it, is there just one mansion, and is it in Phoenix? I bet it's in Phoenix. Uh, let's see here. Okay, it's uh, it's it's beautiful. <laughs> oh, I like it. It's kind of. You know, it's kind of plain. But you know what I would do is I would, uh, you know, as governor, I would spruce this place up. I would invite all the tribes to uh, paint a uh, paint paint the roof, paint the roof. And I wonder if there's a helipad. I'd put a helipad in there so I can um, <clears throat> just. Uh, I'd have to. Um, the state would have to put in a helipad here as well and um, pay for my campaign um, manager's pilot license, fin finishes pilot license. And let's see here. Oh my god, yes. Okay. So I want to download, sh download image. Governor's Mansion. Did you know Arizona's? Yes, I did. No, no. I assumed every every state has a Governor's Mansion. Okay. I'm looking at other pictures of it. Okay, it's it's low lying. It looks kind of reminds me of an old log cabin. Yeah. What I would do is um. Uh, 
I would uh, turn it into community gardens <laughs> and plant a shit ton of trees, more tree, uh, like fruit trees, and uh, it would become a public park. I'd, um, you know, if there's a well there, I'd put in a, I'd put in an old-fashioned looking well. As an interesting feature, and turn that into like a big koi pond. And uh, when people walk over the grass, actually, I would put the like that well, like right where that concrete is, because there's concrete there already anyway. So you might as well put the well on top of that. Looks like Trump's stuck in my shed. <laughs> Trump, is that you? Stuck in my shed again. Oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, watch my TikTok if you want to see more Trump the chicken. Ew, ew, Trumpo, Trumpy. Trumpy the chicken. Chicken hawk. Bone spurs. Ha <laughs> That's a fucking funny cartoon, man. Okay. Anyway, uh, that, that could help promote my TikToks, help them go viral. Um, I just got that I was an awards, I was awarded CEO of the viral TikTok, <laughs> of viral TikToks, plural. Anyway, so, uh, wear a mask. Bye.